Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Also a podcast that brings you rugby when maybe it shouldn't, on a physical, technical and maybe even moral point of view. <laughs> Yet we did it. But we did it without our, well, our teammates, our co-colleague, our guy down the line, Tim Cocker. How are you, mate? Hello from the Egg Chasers shipping container. Oh, mate. How, uh, before, before I speak to you more, Tim, let me just say this. A huge apology to anyone who tried to listen to the audio that we put out on Monday. Yeah, sure, we tried. God love, And God loves a trier. <laughs> but uh, we were doing the podcast as if you were down the line, but without listening to it. So that's why we had that horrible noise. So today we'll be fine. Hey, listen, it's all good. There's a multiple number of apologies. Apologies for not getting the podcast out sooner because um, we had two battered and bruised bodies from Poland on the stag do apologies on my part that I couldn't be there when you did try and put it out and then like you say apologies for the sound quality but hey listen two podcasts in a week that's that's our way of saying sorry exactly the best way with more terrible audio <laughs> uh, how was your weekend Tim what, what, what did you get up to everyone knows what we did uh, I was I spent a week in Greece did you yeah very nice so I watched um I watched. Oh, the good news is, not not only is the BT Sport app available in around the EU, but Virgin Go's app can also mean you can watch stuff anywhere in the EU as well. So I didn't even have to go and find a a dodgy place uh, to stream uh, the rugby. Oh, we found some dodgy places, mate. <laughs> some of them. <laughs> I bet you did. Some of them streaming rugby. Some of them not streaming rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Did you enjoy the weekends well, of rugby? More importantly, um, yes. It looked like. Do you know what? That, that stadium in Bilbao looks absolutely brilliant. It does. Um, doesn't I it? was a little bit. Dis- I was a little bit disappointed with the actual quality of the final, but I guess that kind of happens. I think the pool stages of the European Cup this this year were immense. Yeah. yeah. Semi finals and final, not so much. It, it does show how important it is to the teams that they're almost too scared or. <laughs> The risk of trying to play rugby and creating opposition uh, opportunities for the opposition 
is too great to play rugby, so it ends up being such a well, such a tight game. The problem is it's Leinster, isn't it? So Leinster ruined the whole European Cup. They ruined everybody in the group stages. They ruined everyone in the run up to it. And then when they got to it, they just I think we have such high expectations of them. They just didn't do that. But Racing were superb at closing them down as well. Yeah. Uh, putting pressure on them, even though it didn't create the best spectacle. Uh, it was a, it was well probably the best two teams in the tournament 100% cons- consistently across uh, the eight months that it's played across when I look back at the whole tournament my favourite games were the Leinster v Exeter matches both of them were oh yeah just brilliant spectacles I really enjoyed those so yeah I think I'm, I'm really glad to see Leinster uh, <coughs> win and do you know what particularly when the news that's come out um, earlier this week tw- I think it was 21 players have re-signed for Leinster yeah. and 94 90- 94% of their squad, including that which went to Bilbao, is homegrown. Yeah. And at a time when we're, as, as you talked about on the, on, on the podcast earlier in the week, at a time when clubs are having to balance their books or squeeze value from players in England by signing foreign players and getting rid of their England internationals, it's really great to see an organisation that is so incredible at developing its own talent. Nin- 94% of their squad... And a significant yep. percent of other squads as well yeah. comes through yeah. the, the Leinster Academy. Well, yeah. they do have an absolute powerhouse, don't they, of a school a schoolboy system there. So if someone's not quite good enough, isn't John Cooney a Leinster boy? Yeah, I think he is. I think AJ McGinty is a Leinster boy. He would probably be the second best fly half in Ireland. Should Ty, he be there? Ty Byrne, famously uh, Leinster Academy. Yeah, so they do a good job. I think that's what it comes down to. Yes, they do all right. So uh, I'm re- I'm really glad to see them. And and um, yeah, so it, it looked like it was a great weekend in Bilbao. The, the the chat that I've had with some of the guys that were out there covering it, or people that I know that were out there watching the game, said it was a, a it's a really great place to watch rugby. That stadium. So um, hopefully that's not the last we see of it. Um, but yeah, Spain have. Well, that's the one upside for Spain, but there's yeah. been a significant downside for Spain, hasn't there, since? Yeah, I've uh, got some relatively strong views on this, which I will enlighten you about after we talk about Cornerstone briefly. Oh, they're a fantastic mail-order razor company. You've heard us talking about Cornerstone, and if you've, if you've heard us talk about it and haven't actually taken the leap and given it a try, there's very, very little reason not to. Mm. Uh, you can t- take up, You don't need to just take our word for it. Um, when we say that it is, we believe it's the best razor that you can get, and it comes in a beautiful presentation box, six cartridges, your free aluminium heavy weighty engraved shaft that could be sat there on the uh, on the shelf in your bathroom. Uh, but also, it's only four quid to give it a go. There's no obligation, but we think you'll absolutely love what Cornerstone are about and what they do. So for four quid, free weighty aluminium engraved shaft with your initials or whatever you want on it. Six cartridges sent to you, less than a pint. Give it a go. Cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers. That's cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers or egg 10 at checkout. Right. So Spain, Romania and Belgium. Belgium. Uh, Belgium have all been fined, docked points and therefore eliminated from either qualifying directly or taking part in uh, playoff matches to qualify for the Rugby World Cup 2019. Mm. Uh, this is in the aftermath of the Spain v Belgium make or break game, which was um, 
well, as rugby, as um, world rugby admitted, was not appropriately refereed in terms of false. the personnel. Utter and, false. Um, and there you go. This is how it's finished. Russia now qualify for the Rugby World Cup, and Germany now face a playoff match against Portugal. The, the winner of which will play Samoa for the final place from potentially Europe or the Pacific Islands into the Rugby World Cup. Oh, I can only imagine how terrified Samoa are. <laughs> I mean, okay. So the first thing which I think of here is myself, and oh, naturally, naturally, because. Would you believe it? The two countries that we've been to on Tier 2 Tour, which we came back with with such glowing reports, would be the two countries. I mean, obviously, Romania famously won it in front of the Egg Chasers. I say won it, the European Challenge Nations Cup final plate. <laughs> yeah. right. Famously won it. Uh, and we thought, yeah, great. And then, yeah, there was a real buzz, a real, a real good rugby community there. Obviously, they're not as good as we originally thought. Well, they're certainly not as wholesome. And then we followed it up next year with Spain, which just blew me away that there was so much rugby and so much enthusiasm for it. Yeah, the enthusiasm. I was expecting it to be far greater in Romania. Yes. But the crowd and the passion for it was... Three times greater? Like, literally yeah. numbers three times greater in terms of the crowd. Yeah, it's significantly greater. So I bring that up just because... The real shame of this, and there's been a lot of mudslinging, which I will do shortly, but the real shame of it is there's two countries here with fans that love rugby, Spain in particular, and this is the upshot. You know, World Rugby had to, had to do something. I semi-agree with their, with their approach, but they're effectively hoping that all these people have invested so much time and so much energy and so much effort into the game of rugby stick with it, and that's the problem. Yeah, because it does, for those who have not got uh, as long-standing history as kind of we do, and by we I mean uh, people from the United Kingdom uh, and Ireland and traditional Ruby nations. Now, for us to think that a game, there'd be a referee in a game who was biased, it's almost incomprehensible yeah. for me. I struggle to understand that. But this, for people who have not got that long history of professionalism and... Uh, things being done by the book. Well, if you this done, will yeah. really, yeah, this will really kind of bring into question how serious rugby as a whole and rugby world is about the game. Hmm. Anything to add on that, Tim? Well, I think the the, the refereeing issue uh, is one separate thing, which World Rugby admitted was a was an absolute mess. I think what the what the ineligible players and that were fielded for which there are fines and docked points. And that's the reason why Romania and, or, or Spain or anyone uh, won't progress to, to the World Cup in 2019. I think what that exposes is a ridiculous system yeah. that World Rugby have in play. Yeah. Because, and I feel, abs- I feel really, really sorry for Spain um, in particular. Uh, and the, one of the reasons I feel really sorry for them is I can't understand and make sense. And I've really looked into and read everything on exactly where Spain went wrong. And I find it really difficult to comprehend. I don't understand, one, why World Rugby don't have a central database of players. Did you, which, did you see which databases they checked? No. In the, Go on. In the main report, that uh, it was cited that they had checked databases. Uh, and when asked to explain that, they checked ES one on ESPN and two on Wikipedia. 
as, oh as World Rugby's check for databases for oh whether players, players oh. have been previously captured. Right. Oh, my goodness. That's unbelievable. So World Rugby should have a central database where they take control of who is eligible and who isn't eligible. Because the other thing, when I look at this, Spain have been caught out because they have a couple of guys that were of French origin um, who played for a French capture team at some point in the past, be it France under 20s, I think it was. Now, when you actually look at France's capture team, it has flipped four times in the last five years. Yes. They've changed their capture team. That's rid- so, that is ridiculous as well. It's absolutely ridiculous that that can be a process. I think they need to, I think as JB has said before, get rid of capture teams and it's sevens, the sevens team and the first team and nothing else counts and get a central database and take control of this because it is exactly as you said, the amount of effort, the amount of blood, sweat and tears, those innocent players have gone through. And I think this was all done with very much goodwill. You've got to remember, this is kind of semi-professional outfits. Exactly. And and you're asking them to administer really complicated things that I find really hard to understand, even when looking at all the facts after the fact. Yeah, so... It's just, it's really harsh. You know, if we get rid of capture teams, right, and then, uh, let me think of a, a player of Spanish origin. Mark Cueto shows up. You know immediately, right, Mark Cueto is not eligible to play for Spain. <laughs> you don't need to check a database. If you know anything about rugby whatsoever, uh, who else would be, like, Spanishy? Is Harry Nordicky? He's Basque, isn't he, rather than Spanish? Mm. But, you, yeah. can, you know, you get the point. If there were senior internationals from France, England, anywhere else, well, we don't need to worry about it, do we? Because we, we know. Under 20s, it's not even the same thing. It's not. I mean, I actually think that sometimes they do. They do have different rules, you know. And also, sevens shouldn't shouldn't apply. I'll tell you why sevens shouldn't apply because if you wanted to expand the game of sevens and have more sevens teams because it's an Olympic sport, it would be very much a shame if those players would not go over to play sevens because they'd be worried about their fifteens career being ruined later on, and vice versa. To be fair. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I, I take that point as well. And, and when it's big enough, yeah, then sevens can be lumped in with um, sevens can be lumped in with the whole thing. But yeah, capture teams waste of time. I don't like it. If you think they're good enough, play them. So now the fallout from this. Now that we've got Russia uh, in the World Cup ahead of either Spain or Romania, um, are you? So there's definitely mistakes that have been made. Are you now kind of satisfied that... I almost don't want to use the word justice, but are you satisfied that now we've got uh, a solution that is at least palatable on the face of it? No, it's not palatable for me. It's semi-palatable. <laughs> okay. I am delighted that the cheats at the head of the of the Romanian Rugby Union have been, have been caught... And they've been dispatched of, right, from, from the World Cup. Uh, Romania being in the World Cup is, would be completely beyond the pale for me. Complete, yeah. Completely beyond it. Yeah. Now, uh, the problem is, of course, it was a tiny group of people that did this. I mean, maybe you expand it to it. Maybe, maybe 50 people are new. Maybe, maybe three people knew. It yeah. doesn't matter. I think 50 is far too many. Yeah. But, but, but you know, people knew. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I don't think... If you, I don't really want the impact on some Romanian child who loves his rugby and is now disheartened and is going to go and play something else doing that. But I'm delighted that they're out. Now, Spain, right? When we were in Spain, they were on top of the world. They had the king watching. 
right? They were they were gonna basically breeze into the World Cup. Turns out, right, not only are they not in the World Cup, because some some players confronted that cheating ref, and frankly, he does not deserve the protection of of World Rugby or the European Rugby Cup plate or or, or, or whatever it is. He, he he should be treated do you know, like the old American outlaws. Once you're outside of the law, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's on. He doesn't deserve the protection or the respect of the wider game of, of rugby. So they've lost some senior players who are eligible. They've lost the World Cup spot. And now, to boot, some of the players that they would have used in the World Cup, they can't use them either. It's an absolute disaster. And all because Romania cheated. Well, uh, no, I think the, the one... The one way i would disagree and when phil says when you say phil are you are you satisfied that there's a solution here well at least everybody has been treated the same in terms of all teams that have had ineligible players yeah uh, have been treated the same so it, that seems fair from that point of view but yes. the point is this this was um you you this was done with total goodwill this was not done in any kind of um, deliberate law-breaking effort. I don't think on anyone's part. Yeah. That it's it's the completely farcical, disorganised manner that this is administrated, and that comes down to world rugby that has well, caused this maybe once of. in a lifetime opportunity for fans and players uh, to to be taken away. And and I feel really un- I feel like that's unjust. So it's not quite that simple, right? Because. World Rugby have taken action on the eligibility things simply because they can't take action on the qualification things. So they've requested the game be replayed. Now, I would bet a sizable chunk of money that had the game have been replayed, we'd never have heard about player eligibility again in our lives. They'd probably written some new rules and then, and then grandfathered anyone in who was in, um, ineligible for that. Something like that. I'm, I'm not sure that's true because we said a little while ago there was an example of some team. Yeah, there was, wasn't there? It was in like a, team, right in a really, really low tier um, that, that were relegated from their tier because they fielded an ineligible player. Yeah, so I actually think what's happened, uh, this is just my, you know, which is what I think, is that World Rugby have used the eligibility stuff to force the hand of Romania to replay this game. Romania have made the judgment, well... If we do, if sorry, uh, the European rugby, whoever they are, to replay replay this game, is run by a Romanian. His basic gamble is: well, if we do, we're not in the World Cup, and if we don't, we're not in the World Cup. So here you go, we'll take we'll take everyone down with us, and that's how I see it's got it, it going. World rugby give a lot of power to the individual unions involved. So that World Cup spot, I don't think, is for them to give out. Once it's been attributed. It's for those other teams to dish out who gets it. Does that make sense? Mm. Phil's, yeah, Phil's it's just a, do you know what the the, the, the most what, from our selfish point of view, one of the most disappointing bits is it takes just a tiny sheen off of what was otherwise uh, an absolutely amazing trip to Madrid that where, where we were joined by a ton of listeners who had a great time as well. Yeah, yeah. well, at least we've got an excuse to go back to Spain now uh, in the Spanish support tour. yeah yeah oh it's just an ugly chapter which appears to have come to an end although there are appeals which are ongoing so um yeah the romanian uh appeal is interesting well i'm not sure the romanian romanian uh union federation so we'll have to go to like the court of sports arbitration or whatever it is 
Honest answer is I don't know. Arbitration of sports. Yeah, so, so this was an independent panel uh, that was appointed by World Rugby and then World Rugby and the, the three unions involved or four unions involved all had to submit evidence um, and then it was that independent panel did, made the decision did, which, which World Rugby wants to uphold. Now, did you see what uh, the Belgians said? No, I've not seen it. It's an interesting point and a fair point, which was if if the rules dictated that the referee in charge of a game could not be in charge because he might be influenced by the result of the game on his own home nation, you would have no Six Nations referees. True. Which is absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. But they're professionals and I trust them. And uh, I'm going to be trusting many Romanian refs going forward. And Belgium did also point out that their point that um, Belgium had Belgium played well uh, and Spain simply didn't. Yeah. Um, and that that's what, because the game not being replayed, so I think the result does say there was arguably uh, unfair decisions, but they were not made in bad faith. No, no, thing, no, no, which, no, no. Oh, there's not, not enough evidence yes. to substantiate that they were made in bad faith. It was indicated but not proven, I think. Yeah. The, something like that. It's something like that. We're never going to know. We're never going to know the truth of that. So we'll see how the... Uh... Um, have I told you this? That there is a friend of a friend that claims to be in a bar with the Romanian team bragging about the refereeing decision a week before the game. That is one for some beers... Uh, so, 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 sometime, but yeah, uh, I've, I've heard so much stuff uh, stuff about this lately. Yeah. Well, I'm I, I'm going to have a I I want to pick up the mantle and have a, a brief little rant on something that you just briefly that you talked about on the on the last podcast. Sorry, you, just uh, just before you do, there is one yeah. small silver lining. Okay. How good is gonna is Romania Spain gonna be next year? <laughs> and this is why you don't have promotion relegation because these two are gonna be bitter blood rivals now for the next ten years. And if one of them was to get promoted, that would be devastating. Well, so Romania, I'm just looking at the can the, you the um, table. So Romania now because of the point deduction finish bottom. I think this is the latest table. Does that mean they get relegated? Well, they're now. Uh, in June, they're set to play off against Portugal for the relegation promotion. Ooh, interesting. Let's hope they stay up because uh, I think Spain wants to crack at them. Yes, they both want to crack at each other. Yes, <coughs> and if not, we should make that game happen. Actually, in the autumns in Twickenham or something. No, no, in Bath. It could be like a proper Roman Colosseum. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. Right, I just want to I just want to have a, a quick mention on Eddie Jones's England squad. Oh yes. yes, okay. Yeah, we we probably didn't hit all the salient points there, <laughs> or any. He's <clears throat> uh, I'm going to say he. Uh, I like it in parts, and I absolutely am scratching my head speechless in parts. Right. Let, so he. So 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 on one thing, he's decided to rest some players. Great, yep. that's brilliant. I know I'm going to rest James Haskell, Danny Kerr. And Dan Cole. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to rest. Mako Vinopola or Owen Farrell. Yep. Mm-hmm. What is go- what like? What is what is the logic there? Um, also, uh, he's. I, I am absolutely. Um, 
I'm, I'm really I'm really annoyed about the selection of Cam Redpath. Not because I'm not. Don't um, like, hate Sale. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's um, he hasn't played, isn't started a senior Premiership game yet. Oh, uh, well, interestingly, I saw a tweet last night by one of my favourite sport uh, uh, rugby commentators who knows about these things, and Cam Redpath is listed in, in the England under twenties as is Curry. Both of them. I'm Ben Earl. Oh, okay. And he's pointing out that is it a mistake or or England just playing games with people? Uh, I, I don't see how it would be a mistake. Yeah, so it's in the uh, world rugby list of the under-20 squad. Both the Currys, Ben Earl and Cam Redpath are listed. And, and Marcus Smith. Yeah, well, Marcus, right. Marcus Smith isn't in the main squad. That is true, but I just wanted South to point Africa. out... Point, how ridiculous it would be to have Marcus Smith playing against kids his own age. <laughs> um, now, I, I can only assume, although Eddie Jones has selected young guys, as you pointed out on the podcast before, he, he's done that in the past, but I don't understand what is, uh, exactly as you pointed out, you're not going to chuck Cam Redpath in against South Africa. It would be, it, it seems a bit unfair to chuck him in against South Africa. It, it, he would have completely lost his marbles if he does that. Not that I don't think this this guy's got an incredible future ahead of him. I do. Yeah. So I, I I'm, I'm assuming that it's got something to do with his Scottish yeah. heritage. His his dad was a you know Scot- Scotland captain, um, Scotland legend. And assuming that is the case, I think I just scratch in my head. And when I look at um, Brad Shields as well. Now again, I'm quite optimistic about the impact that Brad Shields could potentially have although I watched him play for the Blues at the weekend he was he was not good um, no he wasn't was he, he? Was not, he was not good but they are going to fly Brad Shields to the UK for some training yeah what's that 10,000 miles uh, then uh, they're going to fly yeah, tw- him to South Africa 20 yeah 20,000 miles for uh, Brad Shields carbon <laughs> footprint bigger than his actual, than his actual fo- uh, footprint yeah, <laughs> then they're going to fly him to South Africa for the tour. Then after that, he's going to fly back to New Zealand to finish off the Super Rugby season. And then he's going to fly to Wasps. Now, when you have guys like Don Armand, who nominated for Premiership Player of the Season, has been consistently excellent and, and shares a lot of attributes of the type of thing that, that Brad Shields can do, I cannot understand it. And I just think it's going to be a, a demoralising factor for that England squad, it's gonna it's gonna do more harm than good. Why not wait until he's in the UK? I don't understand it. And when you combine that with Cam Redpath, who I'm assuming has only been selected because he he's been eyed up by Scotland for the Rugby World Cup 2019. Apparently, Gregor Townsend has sounded him out and targeted him. Yeah. If he wants to play for Scotland because he doesn't get picked for England straight away, let him go. We're England. We don't need to. Well- to try, fair, and try and peer. We don't. We don't need to try and mark our territory and peer around players. Yeah, because we're in. Yeah, I don't like it. To be fair to Comrade Path, right? He is equally as English. Like there isn't a, you know, was uh, bought up in bloody uh, Glasgow and then you know transported down here. He no, is. No, no, no. That's, that's not. That's not even my point. If he wants to play for England, fine. Yeah, yeah. But, let him prove himself. But, but, yeah, the thing is, Tim, like. I'm pretty sure is, I'm pretty sure his old man has said something along the lines of, uh, you know, which way, like, uh, who's he going to play for? And the answer has been pretty simple: England, because of the money, you know. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And there's this kind of, I think they, I do think that Redpath's appointment, senior that is, as 
Scotland under-21s coach was exactly that sort of ploy. But no, you're right. You're all right, which is, if he wants to go to Scotland for a World Cup place and then you know, stake out his future there forever, that'll be his choice. If he wants to wait until he's good enough and get an England call-up for, in- uh, well, for England, obviously, uh, that, again, will be his choice. But, uh, you know, this you're right. You're absolutely right about the pe- uh, peeing round players. Um, I think it's silly. I think it's silly and it yeah. kind of cheapens your yeah. position in the squad. I, I agree with that. It, it cheapens the the shirt and the, I hate to say the word, but the culture mm. of ar- around the England squad. Uh, by selecting players just to capture them for international teams. Um, just on the point of Brad Shields, yeah. So I've seen him play a bit. He, he yeah. is he is a handy player, a very handy player to but, the point that uh, had he not already signed for Wasps, he yeah. probably would be an All Black back right now. But it's just fun. just because you are playing uh, very well at Super Rugby level doesn't necessarily mean that you will fit into the way that Northern Hemisphere teams play. Do you remember Matt Simons when he was captain in the Chiefs? Yep. Playing for the Chiefs. Everyone was saying, mm. call him up to England. Call him up to England right now. Future Just, England captain yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And he came and he's a, he's a decent premiership player. He is oh, 12th in line, um, lower. 20th in line for an England place. Suddenly, same, same, Piers Francis. Yep. Piers Francis playing... Uh, yeah. Piers Francis uh, playing in Super Rugby and looking decent, but that doesn't necessarily translate to a premiership, never mind international rugby. Yeah. I think, actually, Matt Simons had a little bit of a rough deal in Irish because... He almost came as the coach's golden child, and the coach was not popular. Yeah. So that sort of rubs off on a player when, you know, he's the only guy in the, te- in the team that wants to play in the way that the coach wants to play. He's been far better for Wasps. But yeah, you, you are, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're but the, even, oh, even, even at Wasps. But still not a regular starter. Yeah. Injured, mate, injured. But even at Wasps, when, when he plays compared to someone like Launchbury, who is international quality, mm. the difference is pretty stark. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and the, the the other thing on the England squad, which which you mentioned, is um, does this signify a change in Eddie Jones's approach? And that's that that was my overwhelming feeling as I looked at the squad that he is ripping it up and starting again. He's got a new he's not he's got a new attack coach in. His his selections indicate that he's going to change the way he plays, and he's suddenly saying different things, but he's doing it in kind of a petulant way. He kind of said. Um, Oh well, there are the the way that the breakdown is refereed now means you know we can't do what we want to do, um, and so I think he's kind of a, a little bit petulantly and reluctantly, not actually admitting it, um, but he's basically going uh, the way that I've going about things is not going to work, so I need to change, yeah, and I, that could be a positive as well. I, I still think there's time to to turn it around. It's not his rugby that's the problem; it's him. I mean, like, his rugby is okay. It's reasonable. It's always going to be tough, muscular rugby because Eddie Jones is an undersized hooker that got to where he was by hard, by hard work. I mean, that's effectively what he thinks. You can train hard work in someone, and with enough determination, you, you can win a game. And he's probably right. The only difference is, the only problem is he's so determined. Uh, you know, he's so motivated and intense. He just wears players out. So I actually think, though, this could be the right strategy for him. But the same result's going to happen. You know, it's a de- definition of insanity, almost. I do think he's more than just hard work. 
because I think if you look back at when he burst on the scene for England and he started playing with the the two pivots, mm. that worked phenomenally well. Did it? It did. It it did start off. He was unbeaten for the season. Yeah, Grand, Grand Slam, uh, unbeaten tour to Australia, unbeaten autumn internationals. So it did work, but then you've got to you've got to stay ahead of things because defenses and defense coach will work out good attacks, mm-hmm. and that's the bit that he's not got yet. Another point on in terms of the technical side of his coaching, Japan. Yes. What what he did with Japan, and it's not just him because there were other coaches involved, but what he did with Japan was phenomenal. But he has been found out now, and the test will be how does he react to defences finding out yeah. his attack. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, actually, criticise him all you want. The, the Japan win on, over South Africa is one of the top five greatest rugby achievements of all time. Yeah. So, attack yeah, yeah. him day in, day out. Uh, yeah, he'll always have that to his name. I don't think. Oh, many... and I still, I still think he could. I, th- I still think he could lead England to to, to victory in a year's time. And I, I hope he's going to loosen up and look for different ways to play. And the and the muscular uh, north south type of rugby that that he's kind of been focusing on. I'm hoping that that, that changes slightly. There's a, some things added to the repertoire, and hopefully that will start soon. I think you'll be hoping for a long time. I'm afraid. I just don't see it because. The time to expand things was after they mastered North-South rugby, if you like, when they first burst onto the scene. And they're like, yeah, they'll add another layer and another layer. It'll get continually better and better and better. And it just never did. But I hope you're right. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they do play. Because one of the disappointing things for me was that initial squad. I I want to see more options in the centre. As yeah. in, not necessarily Owen Farrell having to play centre, but a kind of either an alternative ball player or uh, the option to have a hard and fast, right. like like a Tio and a Joseph tight role without necessarily those guys. The centres that he's picked, so Farrell, Lazowski, Slade, Cameron Path you can ignore because he's now injured, Ben Tio, it's kind of more of the same. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, Lazowski's an interesting one, you know. I think he, he might be the real deal for England in some, in some capacity. Yeah, I think he's better than Farrell in, in the centres. He hits ne- nearly as hard. He seems to complete complete more complete <laughs> more, more tackles, and he's certainly faster. He, yeah, he is very fast. Uh, right, I've got a question for you, and this came from well, actually, it's a two part two two part question. First of all, did you think when welcoming back the god of the mispass, the master playmaker, the playmaker, the playmaker general Danny Cipriani? Do you think he did the right thing in saying uh, there's also a plane back from Johannesburg should something happen? <laughs> uh, and also, think about this. Everyone's talking about Danny Cipriani as a fullback. Well, no. Eddie Jones has mentioned him. He specifically referenced him as a fullback. All right. Yeah, that's fair. But you've got to combine that with the fact that he did play fullback and the Lancaster and didn't do, do, do too bad, actually. He scored in the, in the last game against France, last warm-up game. So here's where I'm going. You've got two players, right? One is a little bit flaky under pressure, say. Just a little bit. But he's a phenomenally talented playmaker. Maybe one of the world's most talented playmakers. And you've got another one who is not quite as good a playmaker, but is renowned as a solid tactical uh, tactical marvel, right? 
and Nerves of Steel. Which one do you put at fullback? <laughs> yeah, the one that's going to defuse the bombs. Yeah. Especially against if you go into a team like South Africa. Exactly. So, I'm actually thinking, if they've got to play a guy at fullback, it's going to have to be Owen Farrell. Of those two, <laughs> I mean, if they've got those two in the squad, the, 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 like the dual play, playmakers, <laughs> why would you do it the other way around? Um, well, interesting, yeah. Cipriani does often defend in the back three. Yep. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I just don't see. I see it as too big a risk to try and put move Sippers out to fullback, just because he, he's played so little well, there. It can't be any more risky than ca- continuing with Owen Farrell at twelve and Ford at ten. So if you've got to assume Owen Farrell's going to be on the field for his kicking, for his leadership, for all things he's good at, it's just not good. There's only yeah. one facet of the game which we found him, you know, really lacking. And Danny Cipriani, you know, an amazing player, but do you want him defusing highballs against Israel Falau or someone? Yeah, I, th- I think all of this is uh, um, a moot point because neither of them are going to... Uh, Danny Cipriani's not going to play fullback. Ooh. Do you want to put that on the board? <laughs> I can't... Surely not. Surely... Not. I'll, 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 I'll happily put Tim says Danny Cipriani will not um, will not play at fullback on, on, oh, on the board. It, if, I, if he does, then oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tim. He shouldn't. That doesn't mean he won't. Won't well, he? Do he it in the, no. the, the man, the Look man, at... the only man in the squad other than Mike Brown that he should be considering for fullback is Elliot Daly. Yeah. The, well, and Cam and Redpath. Maybe, and maybe, like, if Cam Redpath hadn't been selected and you take a guy like Jason Woodward on tour, yeah. that yeah. might have been a reasonable shout. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, in- interestingly, Woodward is in the Brighton training squad. This is the, is. the extended, extended training squad for those who aren't in the uh, What is the point in the Brighton the training squad? Does anyone know? Get the boys together, get some new lads do bit, in. Do a bit of judo, ruin someone's <laughs> career. Oh, <Yeah>. God. <laughs> Did mention judo? Um, yeah, I, I don't really see the point in it. There's another lad in the uh, the Brighton squad whose name I certainly didn't recognise. Ollie Lawrence. Ollie Lawrence. Flyhoff, is he? Uh, Centre um, for Worcester. Ah, yeah. Yes, yes. But he's only a, oh, yeah. a, a young lad. Isn't he meant to be massive? Or have I got that wrong? Uh, don't, genuinely, don't know. I don't know. 
I don't, don't know. But yeah, I've heard good things about him. Uh, well, I've read good things on Twitter from well, some people. Is he massive? Uh, Alex Shaw, who knows a lot about that's who I was referring to about junior rugby. Um, in Ollie Lawrence, Worcester may have found England's next Manu Tuolagi. So that headline does suggest he's pretty massive. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say I'd say large might be one of his characteristics. <laughs> yeah, likes jumping off ferries. Um, <laughs> The, the, the absent name from from the Brighton training squad that I was a bit disappointed not to see uh, it was Joe Marchant, but there you go. Yeah, That's a, who's now being targeted by Wales? Mm. Is he? Is is mm. Joe Marchant injured? I've got him down as being injured for some in, on my uh, squad analysis, but I can't remember why. I love you, Phil. You've got a <laughs> squad analysis spreadsheet. Um, Haven't you? How often do you update it? Uh, just every time a squad comes out, I, f- I just I just find I, I just find it easier looking at the names in spreadsheet form rather than in those uh, graphics that England rugby Ugh. put out on their Twitter handle. I've got an um, an, an Eddie Jones mental matrix <laughs> Men- with uh, you know pop psychology um, uh, um, uh, analysts of his um, mindsets. Is that like the uh, Stuart Lancaster bullshit bingo management speak? That very, you, that very you similar. <laughs> that you got from his book. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what is bullshit that people seem to be doing a lot, and this is definitely a, 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 a thing that you don't want to look at on, on Twitter, and that is the this, this new way of announcing players, and it happened with James Haskell to Northampton, like a WhatsApp conversation. I love it. I thought that was quite good I mean, fun. The, the first one, yeah, fun. It, it was it was all right. It, it was all right. No, it, it was great. The first one was was wasn't Ospreys did it first, did they? Yeah, for George. Oh, well, football, loads of football teams have been doing it for a while. Oh, um, have and they? You, yeah. Then the the George North um, transfer was done via that means, wasn't it? I thought it was very very funny. Um, I that aside, I would like to see more imaginative ways of announcing players. I mean, the WWE do it very, very well when they've got like a new superstar coming in. So, the, yeah, you know, there's got to be something that we can think of. But how, yeah, how do the WWE do it? Oh well, there'll be two guys fighting in a ring, and then all, and then all of a sudden <laughs> there'll be like some pyrotechnics and some music you haven't heard before, uh, and then you'll come running on. But there must be some other ways. <laughs> okay, how do we translate that to to rugby? Well, I've not thought it through yet. No. <laughs> but yeah, there's loads of things that we can do. Okay. Yeah, like little things like, um, remember in A Question of Sport, the mystery guest round? Yeah, you there you go. <laughs> so I, James... it, could have been, it could have been someone on a JCB. Oh, you just see a little bit James... of their eyebrow. And then Haskell's got a JCB, hasn't he, no, in his back garden? he has. So... I'd have James Haskell cobbling shoes. <laughs> yes. Ah, for the uh, Northampton. Yeah, for Northampton. Yeah. Like, who is it? Who is it? <laughs> his massive arms cobbling a shoe just too hard. Wham. Maybe... <laughs> Yeah, it'd be great. What Danny? What Danny Cipriani be doing? Um, uh, making a chocolate Nesquik. <laughs> making cider, Dr- brewing cider. Drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> drink, drinking it in his car um, with his mate Nev. Killing it. Something to do with a lion. Petting. Oh yeah, petting a that. petting a lion, Scott Baldwin style. Now we're talking. <laughs> Oh, is that is that a reference to? Um, oh, it's just a reference to lines. Nothing, not a reference to Gloucester's Glo- new badge. Yeah, Gloucester's new badge. Well, which is basically, <laughs> it's basically, can we have one like Leicester Tigers, but we'll have a lion instead of a tiger? Yeah, it's basically the same. Uh, yeah, uh, designing 
Designing new rugby badges seems to be about as hard as as designing the new Porsche 911. They all look <laughs> broadly the same. It's just like like the Cubs one. Sorry, the Cubs. Well, I don't know why I'm saying the Cubs. Bristol Bears Bristol. is a direct rip-off of an, of an American team. The, the Memphis Grizzlies. Exactly. The um, the Lion and the Tiger. There's basically no difference, no difference between them. Yeah. And because they're not coloured in, you can't tell anyway. Well, it also looks like the, the Gloucester one looks like it's kind of a rip-off of Leicester Tigers uh, fused with UKIP. UKIP. <laughs> I, thought, I thought of UKIP. Yeah. Um, not, did, did you... They haven't called themselves uh, Gloucester Lions yet. yet. I bet you that's next next summer. Now, did Gloucester used to have a lion on the badge? I'm sure they did, actually. They did used to have... It was, was it two lions on the sides? Yeah. <sighs> Do you know, I... There are some things you just can't... I, I've heard a lot of other rugby people on, on Twitter recently saying, hey, it, the rebrand isn't about you, okay? But I don't know who else it's about because I don't see I don't see anyone looking at the badge and going, yeah, I'm now into scrimmaging. I, I just don't... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it doesn't stack up. All right, so... If you think about someone like the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? They only have the badge on one side of the helmets because that's it. That's what they do. No marketing exec goes in there and says you've got to do, do it another way. And in fact, it goes for them because people think it's cool that they're a bit different. Yeah. Now, you know, there's something cool about the, the history of your club. And if you don't believe that there's nothing cool about the history of your club, go over to Wales and ask Cardiff fans what they think of the name The Blues or the name The Scarlets or all those, all those other things. You've just got to be a bit careful with your club history, is all I'm saying. You have to be a bit careful if you've got... Uh, if you're really into your club and they've not yet changed their badge, but you've got a tattoo of, <laughs> of, <laughs> yes. of their badge, this is, I, I guess it, <coughs> when you step back and think about it, it kind of makes sense, but it's the most ridiculous announcement for a club that Gloucester have offered for any fans that have got a tattoo of the old badge. To, I, to pay for a cover-up or repair or whatever it is to convert it to the new badge. I seem to remember, I've got this wrong, I'm sure, 10 o'clock news once, there was an Andy Cole fan who had a Newcastle Andy Cole on his thigh and somebody paid. It might even be he paid for it himself. It's just remarkable it ended up on the 10 o'clock news. And then he paid for it to be coloured in, in to a Manchester United Andy Cole. <laughs> So he's going to switch allegiances. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I assume so. Or you turn it into someone else. Oh. oh. Hello, Tim. The shipping container Wi-Fi just dropped out. Yeah, uh. so since you've been gone, Tim, we moved it on to football tattoos. <laughs> I did I got in broken up stuff as the Wi-Fi was just dying. I did get... I thought I got the gist of what Phil was talking about. Were you basically saying, what if someone's got a tattoo of the of the badge? Well, have you seen the announcement from Gloucester, the official announcement that that they have offered to cover the cost of the ta- of a, a, a cover-over or conversion uh, from the former crest to the new crest? Oh, dear. Well, okay, wow. so it's quite... Welcome to 2018, everyone. Yeah, well, hang on, Tim, hang on. And I'm surprised at you, because you're usually a bit of a cynic. It just tells you the type of fan that Gloucester have. Because they've obviously done their analysis, and they realise, well, you know, there might be three or four fans that need this done, and, you know, so, so be it. 
tell you what, Ospreys, Ospreys simply couldn't do it. Yeah. There's not enough money. <laughs> all, all tattoo artists. <laughs> uh, I was just, there's one other uh, badge that or lack of that's kind of tradition. The, the Cleveland Browns, American football franchise. Yep. Do you know what their, you know their badge is? Nothing. It's just Browns, isn't it? Yeah, they, well, they have oh, is it the helmet? their helmet. But elsewhere, so they have no badge, um, and, and that's just the way it is. But elsewhere, they, they sometimes have a badge, which is a helmet. Yes, uh, I have and, seen that. And there, is, and there is another badge, which is a man wearing a helmet, which kind of makes me think it's like that Inception thing. It's like, actually, what should be on the Cleveland Browns badge is a picture of a helmet with a smaller picture of a helmet in it is with it, a smaller picture of a helmet in it. Like Just, well, like, yeah. just like the Infinity Dolphin? Exactly that. Oh, yes, of course, Miami Dolphins, Infinity Dolphin. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Oh, I think anyway. it's substantial rugby <laughs> chat. Listen to that. You really got a good dose of what rugby's all about there. Totally. A lot of, uh, and um a lot of I think we've we've got a lot off our chest as well right there in that in that 45 minutes we've spent so far. I've always wondered what counseling is like. <laughs> <laughs> but let's look ahead. Yes. Big weekend of semi-finals this weekend. Huge in weekend. 14 and and Avicii Premiership. Yeah. Which one do you want to do first? Shall we do... Pro 14. Yeah, Pro 14, because uh, it works chronologically as well to do that. Does it? Are they... uh, as Friday night. The Friday night game this week is Glasgow hosting Scarlets. Mm-hmm. Glasgow hosting Scarlets. Tell you what, this is this is about as exciting, <laughs> exciting as any game is likely to be. Yeah. This will yep. be this will be a great game. Seven forty-five Friday night. I know I'll, where I, I will be. Where will you be? Is that a trick? Uh, actually, you're going to be at a wedding. Uh, moving a fridge. <laughs> I do Is like it... moving fridges. Mm. Uh, no, I am going to be watching this game. Okay. Well, so Glasgow. I'll sports. be watching it from the from a hotel just around the corner from Allianz Park. Ah, nice. Hmm. Yeah. Because the Saracens game is the... That's the early kickoff, isn't it? On the it Saturday. Is. But, so, Glasgow, who topped uh, Pool A, or Conference A, um, mm. ahead of Munster and Cheetahs, um, and European Challenge Cup winners, Cardiff Blues, who finished fourth in that uh, pool, host second in Pool B, and last year's winners, Scarlets. Huh? Second in Pool B? Sh- oh, yeah. It's yeah, Len- Leinster. Uh, mm. mm-hmm. I, so I don't know. think that home advantage is going to tip the tip the balance in both cases, in all cases. Yeah. Might. But this is the game where you can see that probably flipping the most. Yeah. I do think... So I agree with that. We'll come on to it in a second, but I do think the hangover of the victory and the high and low and high of Leinster's performance will count against them a little bit against Munster. But yeah, I think Scarlets have got a real chance. With that said, I do expect Glasgow to win this. I don't know. I mean... I just they're so. I mean, Glasgow's performance of the season probably, in terms of the opposite result, was beating Exeter, hammering Exeter, yeah, yeah at home. 
So they can unlock anyone. They, you know, they've won fifteen games. Yeah, yeah. But cool. Scarlets are scarlets, and know? they can go on the road and pull out an incredible performance, like like the one in Bath. Yeah, plastic pitches don't help you much against scarlets. Uh, I honestly don't know. I, yeah, I, there's no, there's no area of the team we think. Yeah, that team is considerably better. Real advantage. Yeah. yeah, they've both got good solid packs. They both like to play. They've both got a wealth of international and international experience, both talent. Fits. Both got good coaches. Yeah. I have no idea. Glasgow I think that's what makes this really, really an exciting, a must-watch match. Yeah. When is it? Friday? Yeah. Yeah, Friday, 7.45. So, Glasgow... Would you want to go, if hypothetically you could? Uh, I don't think I'd be able to get up in time. Uh, just with work. I, w- I would fancy, I would fancy it, but I don't think I can. We'll talk about that off air. We'll, okay. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I, I think, I think Glasgow will squeak it. I think you're probably right. Now, just looking at the table, so Glasgow have scored the most points for across the season. There's, um, which is not necessarily the best thing when you're playing Scarlets. Because the more you open self, open yourself up and want to play, the more Scarlets can attack you. Uh, but yeah, give me, give me Glasgow at home in what's going to be a fairly high-scoring encounter. Uh, would it be? Yes, I have a feeling it's going to be one-sided. I just don't know to who. <laughs> one-sided. I just do. I think like if one team scores, they're just going to carry on scoring. Okay. Kind of like Leinster versus Scarlets. Yeah. Yeah, and Leinster did effectively shut down Scarlets, didn't they? Very effectively. I'd love to see a Scarlets Leinster final. Providing Scarlets won. In Scarlet. I just think that'd be a really, <laughs> really good. It'd be a good story. It'd be a hell of a spectacle, yeah. It'd be a hell of a story to see how they combat how Leinster shut them down last time. Yes. Yes, exactly right. So, so predictions from you two. I'm saying Glasgow, Glasgow, and Leinster. Glasgow just, and then onto Leinster, Munster. I think you're right, Phil, that it will it will have a bearing. But the, 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 Leinster are just full of pros. Oh, yeah. Well, hello, yeah. we we've got hello. Hello. Oh. <coughs> hello. <coughs> Excuse me. Hello, Tim. Yeah, Munster. A very rugged team. Squeak past, squeak past Edinburgh. Oh, there he is. He's back again. Hello, mate. Hello, hello, Tim. Hello. So, as you about to say, Munster. Hello. 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 Uh, Sorry. Oh, Tim, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Fantastic. Oh, good. Good. So. Oh, for goodness' sake. Munster, you, we can still hear you, mate. Ah. Oh, Tim getting annoyed. It's all right. You, it's upgrade. We need to upgrade this shipping container for 2018-19. Yeah, we uh, do. Understood. Get... Do you know what the problem is? I'm getting loads of WhatsApp messages. Oh? Is that a brag? Or what do I do with that information? <laughs> Taking up all your bandwidth. You must have a lot of messages. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I just need to, I'm going to have to go. And, there's, a call, there's, a call, there's, a call, there's a call coming in. I'm going to have to go for a sec. Hold on. Okay. That's uh, a first for the podcast. Uh, is it? He's having. He's get, oh, too many. Mean, well, too many WhatsApp messages. Well, hang on. Too many WhatsApp messages. Will be the first one. 
when's he ever left the dungeon for a call? Unless it's a call into Virgin Radio, like Uh-oh. an actual an actual listener calling in. Tim, the Egg Chasers Ruby podcast is going live on Virgin Radio. Exactly, as it should do, actually. Uh, so Munster, a very, very rugged team. But I think their swan song for this season was against Ed- um, Edinburgh when he squeezed past what is basically a mirror image of them, but not quite as good. Yeah, and just 5% worse yeah. in pretty much every area. And do you want to know who else is a really rugged team? Really rugged. Uh, Exeter are pretty rugged. They are. More rugged. Leinster. Mm, I was going to say Racing. Uh, Racing are Racing are very Racing are enormous and very well drilled, and they just stopped them playing, didn't they? Yeah, they just shut them down. Leinster will have bragging rights over this one, I suspect. I agree. I think Leinster will win. I don't think so. If this was played and Leinster had been fresh as daisies, because you know how they like to rest all their players half the time, uh, especially ahead of a big game. I think it it would be a bigger win. I think do you, I like Leinster will sneak it by five to seven I mean, points. Do you think three games in three weeks is just too much for Leinster? I mean, you know, they're just unused to it. Well, it, have they played three games? They were rested two weeks ago because it was a qualifying game. Oh, here he is. Sorry, I'm referring to, to the final. So final, oh. semi-final. Ah, hello, Tim. You must have so many WhatsApp messages. Sorry, gents. Sorry. That's okay. Was it an important call? Uh, oh, wow. We might. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm doing this after I've finished my um, Virgin Radio show. Obviously, I'm doing it after that. Of course. Um, but nevertheless, someone was letting me know that there was a, a little issue with the, the line and we cut out for a bit. But that was obviously they're telling me about something which happened a long time ago when I was doing my show, and I'm not doing this podcast whilst whilst the show's happening. No, because that, that would be, do that. I'd be highly unprofessional, highly unprofessional. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So we've just moved on yeah. to the, moved on to on to the Premiership. The game you're doing, Tim. Now, Tim, being an ultra professional, he probably can't hear me. He's probably gone actually as I'm talking because <laughs> he's not. Into- <laughs> oh no, he's there. He was at the sale uh, press day doing his research for Sale versus Tigers. So I want to know, Tim, what research have you done for Wasps uh, versus Saracens? Sorry, Saracens versus Wasps. I've just been reading the uh, website and local news articles uh, and the midweek quotes from the managers who are saying everything that you would imagine them to be saying. Um, And I think in the case of the, the fitness of the squads, I think both will be Pretty much at full tilt. Mm. Now, is Billy Vunapola going to be back? That's the question, and it's uh, it's it's touch and go on that on the on the case of Billy Vunapola. So that that's the name that everyone's going to be looking out for. Yeah, it's a huge one because he was touch and go for was it last week of the season? Uh, there was talk of him coming back. Well, he came back, didn't he? And then had a hamstring. Oh, did he? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Right, so, so yeah, I'm just looking now. He is expected to be fit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And every time he does come back, in fairness to him and the uh, Saracens conditioning coaches, because I'm sure it's no easy task. Um, he always he instantly makes an impact. The problem is that that is for the last two or three times has been immediately followed by a further injury. Uh, 
So it would be a real shame for him and England because he would make a big difference in South Africa if he plays these two games, gets a bit of fitness, and then gets to South Africa. That would be massive for both mm. both camps. Hmm. Which way is it going to go? It'll be uh, Scout, Brit- Scout Brits' last game at Allianz Park. Yeah. Yeah. There's one little storyline. Vincent, Vincent Cock will probably be starting at tight head. Their pack is going to be fearsome. Michael Rhodes has had an injury disrupted season. I reckon he'll be at six. Billy will be at eight. Um, Vincent Cock at tight head. Uh, it's, yeah. It'll be huge. Um, I, I can only see Saracens winning. Now, Scout Brits, who is uh, 37 today. Wow. Scott Brits's birthday. Um, wow. So 37 today is still in absolute, absolute phenomenal shape and a phenomenal runner for a 37-year-old who's played so much high-level rugby now, in the front row. Do you think that, you know, there's dog years. Do you think that there's like a reverse version for Scott Brits? Like... Three human years equal one scalp. <laughs> well, maybe he's got some kind of uh, Benjamin Button type syndrome. Yeah, because he, he just doesn't seem to have slowed down. Slowed, yeah, so the wear and tear of playing hundreds and hundreds of Premiership games, one hundred and forty-four from this count Premiership games, a hundred plus games of Super Rugby and South Africa caps. He's over. What's nearly a twenty-year career is just incredible. Isn't just, isn't just. Um, well, I think I think it shows the benefit of players uh, going to Saracens because he has had lots and lots of very good hookers around him sharing y- the workload. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So I think here's a bold prediction for you. There's two teams here, and I think they're going in slightly opposite directions. So. Saracens have not had a good year. In fact, actually, they've not had a good calendar year because you can you can kind of point out to their the initial blip was when they lost to, to, to Exeter. They've not been the force they were in the Premiership since. They've had a torrid European campaign. And then they find themselves here, sort of treading water. And they, yes, they've got all their players back, but there is an atmosphere and a culture and all those things which surround the clubs and players... When they get to a certain time, I don't think they are the team that they were even this time last team even this time last year, right? Even though personnel-wise, similar. So, how much of that? And it, it has undoubtedly been a poor season. How much of it has been due to injuries? Quite a lot. And how much of it has been due to uh, their players playing? Six Nations, Lions, Autumn Internationals, Six Nations. Yeah, and I think where... This is where I think they have stagnated a bit. Back in the past, they would look to their squad, their wider squad, and say, hey, we can put anyone in to any situation because they are good enough and we've got the Saracens away and the Wolfpack and this, that and the other. And this year they've found it much, much more difficult. And they're back to relying on their best players to play the big games. Whereas before, they'd be absolutely fine to put in, you know... Duncan, uh, Duncan Taylor, Barrington, Wiles, Barrington, yeah. Jackson Ray, and this year it's just not quite gone the same. So yes, and not quite as solid as they were. Wasps, they are a team that can only do waspy type things when they are all available. 
and they are pretty much, unless you can you can correct me, all available. They've come into fitness at a remarkable time. So, if they're all available and they play to the absolute the absolute level, there is a core of lads there that I believe really really want um uh want want to win this. Haskell, Cipriani, th- those sort of lads. I think Saracens are in for a really tough afternoon. Hmm. Well, um, the the only two players they'll be without is Tommy Taylor and is he James again? Haskell. Yeah, and oh, um, and James Haskell's not. Nathan, but the biggest one is Nathan Hughes being back in full training. Yeah. Um, wow. So Nathan and Billy are both going to be back. It's looking that way. Uh, tell us, Tim, what's wrong with with Haskell? Uh, he he's, he's not he's not necessarily out, but he's he's struggling with his foot apparently. But he's but he could still be in contention for selection, but he's not been training uh, fully. Um, Tommy Taylor looks like he won't be involved. Ah, uh, that is a shame for both, actually. It is a shame, yeah. Yeah. Hi. You're right, you're right. Other than that, it's a pretty pretty, pretty close to full-strength team for Wasps. Now, Wasps, um, two years ago, Wasps went to Allianz Park and put 60 points on Saracens. Yeah. Now, it was... <clears throat> I think I'm right in saying it was... Um, during the Six Nations, or is is when Saracens were not quite at full strength, but obviously Wasps also lose lose a few players, not quite as many. So I I don't think Wasps will be they, they won't be terrified, they won't be worried about going to Saracens, and also playing on a plastic pitch with some of the Wasps outside backs, Daly, Christian Wade, yes. Willie Larue, uh, Willie Larue's had a, a really good season. <sighs> I think it'll be close, closer than some people might think. I am going to go as far as to say... So, yeah, sorry, just before I do answer, going back and looking at past Wasps... Ex, the, 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 Wasp Saracens Wasp too. Saracens games, the one which stood out for me was when Lazowski absolutely smashed Nathan Hughes. Is that, is that where, where, where we're on? Yes. Uh, I can't remember that one. It was, and it was a... I think it was like they were second and first in the table... And Saracens took care of business. But I think things have changed since. I'm going to go for a narrow Wasps win. Wasps win? Yeah. You hate Wasps as well. I, well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> you know, I've, just, I've, I've got a feeling. I, think... I, 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 did, I did notice on the last podcast when you were rightly pointing out the interesting business that Wasps are doing with their new players, JB said, well, good luck to those young players. Uh, if, if, they, if, they can, if they can be well coached, then they might be all right coming <laughs> from the championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to point out that one man who's gone from the championship at Wasps and turned himself into Bassett. a regular first teamer and will now be on a very lucrative contract is Josh Bassett. So yeah, yeah, fair. You know oh, well, there's a few of them. Um, the Dungeon's very own Tom, Tom Cruise. I mean, I think he's known more yeah. like Wasps is Tom Cruise, but we'll go with the Dungeons. Yeah, um, I think there's a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Mercer, uh, Guy Mercer. He was Nottingham or somewhere. Uh, Guy Thompson. Guy, Guy Thompson. Thompson. Sorry, who's Guy Mercer? Oh yeah, Bath. Bath. Uh, was he on loan at Ospreys this year? He still is, I think. Uh, yeah, as a few. I think he's going to London Irish. Is he? Who? I think so. I think so. Guy Mercer. No, Guy Mercer. Yeah, no. Guy Mercer. My Guy Thompson going to Tigers. Tigers. Guy Thompson going to Tigers, but Guy Thompson came from Jersey. So yeah. So you know their their coaching setups clearly done right. <laughs> um, I'm going to say. I'm, I am probably going to be pretty boring and say four home wins uh, across these games, but I can't see 
I can't see Wasps getting the space that they want to against Saracens in this game. And Saracens, you, you're quite right. This would be a very disappointing season for Saracens. But having pretty much all their players back and fit will be a massive boost. And they will shut, shut Wasps down. Uh, so give me Saracens. Hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Although I do agree. I think it could be um, an exciting and very interesting game. So we will see. Yeah. And then the final game. Oh, well, the final game in the semi-finals. Uh, Exeter host Newcastle. Yeah. Which Newcastle have been such a brilliant success story this season. A huge, huge credit goes to, to Dean Richards and every man in and around that squad for what they've done what they've achieved consistently as well because they have been good right from the start of the season uh i think this is a game too far for them yeah i feel like i've seen this story before actually uh case of exeter you know you build you build you build you build and then you've just got it as long as you can get progressively better it's going to take you a few years to get to where you ultimately want to be um they have had a lot of success very very quickly and that worries me coming into the playoffs when I kind of think you need to finish like sixth and then fifth and then you've got to squeeze in there and then maybe you come close and then you win it and then you lose in the final and then and then you win the whole thing. And their rise has just been so meteoric. Uh, I think they're going to get absolutely smashed by Exeter. And I do mean in the most respectful way, of course, because they deserve to be there and the rest of it. But God, Exeter, just no way. It's just no way. Yeah. I can't. I can't see it. It would be a brilliant success story, but I'll be marginally cheering them because I do love Exeter as well. But um, oh, I would be, be great. Yeah, it'd be, you know, if, if I, w- I would be disappointed for the loser of the, this game. <clears throat> That's a great way to put it. That's exactly exactly how I'd be. Yeah, I don't. If they could both be winners, I don't, Newcastle will undoubtedly season, see this season as a win. I don't think anyone sees going out in the semis as a win, though. Because you're so close, Phil. I'm like, uh, if if they all, you're like, uh, you're like the person organising primary school sports days. <laughs> Give them all a medal. Everyone gets a medal. Yeah, absolutely. But not not everyone gets a medal. Leicester Tigers specifically do not get a medal. Bath Rugby, no n- medals. Northampton, nope. Not Quins, uh-uh. Sale. Oh no, not them. <laughs> not them. Uh, Newcastle. I am delighted with the way they've performed this season, but unfortunately for Newcastle they, fans... They get, they, get, they get an award for most improved team. It have sounds, a medal for that. Yeah, it sounds really patronising when I'm saying this. That's not, not the way I intend. And if if they uh, if they do beat Exeter, I'll be the first person to applaud no, them. No, no, no. First person to give them another medal. Mm. Uh, but and if I, they don't, they still get a medal. I think Exeter are going to win by uh, 20 points. I feel the same way. Any uh, re-raise, Tim? Uh, no, I feel the same, unfortunately. Mm, cool. Right. Um, well, Tim, I'll let you get off because don't you have to get a train now? Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, no, that was two hours ago when I was doing my show. Oh, I thought you stayed after and then <laughs> getting a really late train. Oh, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, I'm staying. I've waited till late, really ages after. I'm getting my train after my show. Exactly. So yeah. Right. Well, I will. So I'm, I'm going to go get that really late, that really late train that I've waited around for, and I'll. Uh, I'll... Now, there is, there is one other game this weekend. There is one other game. Top fourteen. Uh, th- there are others. A, a couple of games of top fourteen, but 
There is the um, playoff for the Champions Cup next season. Ulster Ospreys, is it something like that? Ulster Ospreys, yeah. I couldn't care less about this. Uh, um, okay. Well, I almost kind of hope that Ulster, as an Ulster fan, I kind of hope they don't win. Because you'll be we, in the dreaded last pool, or whatever it is. Yeah, you'll be lowest qualifying, or one of the lowest qualifying. Oh, Tim's gone Let, again. Right. But yeah, we we spoke about it before. Those teams that qualify in the lowest seeding have a torrid time in both the Champions Cup and consequentially the league because they're travelling travelling to the most difficult places time and time again to get beaten up by Saracens, Leinster, yeah, Toulon, Clermont, matter, Montpellier, it Scarlet. It does. It doesn't for you boys because you don't need to play all your players during the rest of the year. Well, so no, like, it's not no, like the no. Premiership. Ulster, Ulster aren't good enough because if Ulster don't play all their players in the league, Leinster can do it. Yeah, Ulster don't have the squad depth to be able to rest people consistently and win. Yeah, you rest people, but then you risk losing Treviso and well, everyone risks losing against Treviso, whoever yeah. it is. Treviso, cheaters, Dragons, even, even yeah, even Cardiff Blues have uh, turned a bit of a corner as we were saying the other day. So sad to see. <laughs> yeah, Ulster don't have the squad depth to be able to do that. So Ulster need to play near their best squad. Apart from Rory Best, who's only played ten times for Ulster this season. Uh hasn't won since when? Uh did he beat La Rochelle. Oh did he? Before that it'd been more than twelve months since his since his last win. Quite incredible. So I can't I almost hope we don't win. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, it sounds a bit perverse, but... Fingers pr- cr- crossed for the loser bowl. Yeah. I yeah. remember the first one of these games, it was Wasps versus Stade Francais. Which was a final as well? Uh, of the Challenge Cup? Ooh. Or maybe it wasn't. No, we were in Rithin, and we watched it. And then we went home. That's an interesting story. Oh, yeah. And Goody kicked the points to uh, send them through. Interesting story. And on that bombshell... Uh, thank you for listening to listening to this podcast. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Beardmore. Cocker is at is he just at Cocker? At Cocker. That's tremendous. He got in early, didn't he? Just early, um, early adopter. And we are of course at Rugby Podcast. If you want to, we've got a little Facebook page. And if you want to contact us, I'm sure there is contact at contact eggchasers at Gmail. Do all those great things. Buy a razor, but most importantly, let the boys play. So until next week, from me and Phil and Tim. Goodbye. Goodbye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.